Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Before we get started with today's episode, shout out to our new patron, Esper. Thank you so much for your support of the show. If anyone else listening wants to support Phantology, you can do that at patreon.com slash Phantology underscore books. All money that goes into Phantology goes directly back into making sure we get the best possible content out in a reasonable amount of time. So here we go. All right, what's up, members of the kin? This is Steven, Jake, and Caden from Phantology, the Wheel of Time crew. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey, guys, how's it going? So we're breaking down book seven, The Crown of Swords. Caden is our first-time reader, just went through it and finished recently. And Jake is our expert, our Wheel of Time encyclopedia over there. And I'm somewhere in between. You can decide for yourself based on how this episode goes. So, uh, Caden, we want to get your opinion as the first-time reader. That's kind of the whole uh, point of these episodes. So tell us how Crown of Swords was for you. Yeah. After the last podcast we did, I think I offended Jake a little bit when I rated uh, book six so low. And I think six has been the low point in the series for me. This book was better, I thought, than the previous one. Really? Okay. Okay. Like, so the ending was not as like awesome, but that's kind of like the only part of book six that was like really exciting to me was the ending, right? And I feel like this had a, even though maybe the scenes weren't as big overall, there were more of them throughout, which I liked. I also like, it centers a lot around Matt. I like Matt's character. I think he has the most uh, point of view time in this book. Yep. Yeah, yeah. On the little Wheel of Time Encyclopedia, it breaks it down by point of view percentage. So I can tell you looked at that. Yeah, <laughs> I also looked at that. Uh, <laughs> those places yeah, are I, dangerous, Kate, and there's lots of spoilers in those areas. I was very careful not to click on any links to any other pages. <laughs> I didn't want any spoilers. Uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was great. I thought it moved a little bit faster than book six as well. Okay. There's still a lot of politics happening. But I mean, if you liked any of the previous books, you'll like book seven. Yeah, it's a lot of kind of the same beats. This one has all of our characters back again, and it's got three major plot lines. There's the Rand plot line, there's the girls plus Matt plot line, and there's the Egwene and Aes Sedai plot line. And it kind of hops around between them quite a bit. And I, I felt like maybe that was like a little bit more disjointed than previous books, just because of the constant shifting. Like there are at most four or five or six chapters from one set of viewpoints and then it jumps to another and they're not really related to what they're doing. Like all three are pretty, pretty separate viewpoints. So I, I think that's one thing where people maybe, I don't know, a little less satisfied with this one. Yeah. And I've always, you know, sometimes with the girls, not, not so much this time with Elaine and Nynaeve, but Egwene's to me was a lot more politics than the other ones were. It was a little bit harder for me to get into it. Yeah. And because there was no relation to the other plot lines it was probably even a little bit harder and I felt like maybe there was a lot of you know plot set up for future books and there were definitely things that happened but nothing like you know earth shattering so uh yeah it, it definitely was a little bit different than previous books in that sense Jake tell us why we're wrong tell us tell us your take on book seven no I think you're right I thinking back I just remember being a little disappointed with just the ending in general like Matt had a cool Matt has like a cool storyline in this book. And I do mm-hmm. agree with what you said. The, this book is probably faster paced than book six overall, but the ending of book six is so amazing and iconic. And the ending of comparing just the endings to, of this of book seven to book six, um, mm-hmm. it's not as good. And especially, especially when thinking about Rand, like he does cool stuff. Like he goes and um, was it? He takes the crown of swords, obviously, or the, 
the laurel crown to right. uh, become to finally oust Samael, but which is like an epic thing, but it just wasn't as I feel like there it wasn't as built up as um, the last book. Yeah, the whole Ilian thing is kind of like going on in the background a little bit, and then all of a yeah. sudden he's like, "Yeah, we got to go to Ilian." Okay, yeah, let's go do that. <laughs> it's like part of the. I feel like this is kind of where Rand starts to not have as big of a. He stops being like the center of the plotting in the next few books. You know, it's more spreading out in the the other characters and what's mm-hmm. going on in the rest of the world. And so his his role is just a little more diminished. And it's also that classic Rand of I can't tell anyone what I'm going to do. It has to be a surprise. So, okay, yeah, now we're going to Ilian just out of nowhere. I do remember the first time reading this, I thought the the fight scene with the golem at the end was really cool. That was like a, a pretty mm-hmm. suspenseful mm-hmm. moment. And just realize like it was written so well where you're like, there's no way they're gonna like overcome this obstacle. It's like immune to channeling. And then the moment Matt's medallion touches it, I thought that was really cool. Sounds yeah. like we're all thinking Matt was a big uh, highlight, probably appearing. At the end of all of our Wheel of Time episode, we do a top three and bottom three characters for the book. So yeah. he uh, may be appearing on some lists, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Also, this has like one of the most iconic beginnings of, from my um, memory of Wheel of Time, when um, all the Aes Sedai are like lined up in the beginning and basically needing to like decide whether they actually want to swear fealty to Rand. Like that's mm-hmm. a huge shakeup in the, the dynamic of, Aes Sedai in the world. So let's so let's go into actually let, let, let's start going into the plot. Uh, before we do, if you like Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com and you can support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. Okay, Kaden, plug is through. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say the going on with what Jake just said about the beginning of the book, I actually liked, I mean, at the beginning of the book, it goes and tell, it kind of tells the end of book six again, but from yeah. Elida and mm-hmm. Savannah, is that how you say her name's point of view? Mm-hmm. And I actually liked reading the that better from their points of view than originally like at the end of book six almost. I just thought it was really cool to see it from them and like how frustrated they were. And it kind of like seeing it from them getting their butts kicked like made it even better. So reading those two things back to back, I thought was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I always like these scenes in fantasy books where you get the same scene or something that you've seen a bunch from one set of eyes now through another set of eyes. And you're like, Oh, like, Oh, that's how this character appears based, uh, you know, from the perspective of these other guys. And so this was more of an event, but uh, it was nice to see like the ramifications of this huge thing from all angles. It just made it seem like I, at the beginning or at the end of book six, you're like, wow, this was crazy. Dothraman are insane and powerful. And then like to see it from like the side that was like really afraid, it only makes that even like better mm-hmm. than, it, than mm-hmm. it already was. Yeah. Kaden, who's, who's more annoying to you, Savannah or Elida? Savannah. Savannah. <laughs> Yeah, Savannah sucks. That's Especially through question. this book, she just makes some really dumb decisions. She just gets played, and yeah, she's like that person who's like so ambitious but has no skill to back it up. You know, <laughs> Elida at least like accomplishes some of the things that you know she set out to do. Yeah. Even if you don't like her and what she's doing, she still is like a threat. Where yeah. it feels like the shadow have just been kicked around, and they just keep getting kicked around the entire you know series so far. With Elida, we've been tracking your progress on is she a dark friend or is she not a dark friend through the series? Have you come to a definitive answer yet? Uh, yeah, I'm, I say no, definitely not a dark friend. Okay, very confused. Point, okay. And yeah, just kind of, yeah, not a happy person, but not, a, not evil. Not a happy person, that's for sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think Elida is politically savvy for the most part and has earned her position of power, whereas Savannah just realized she was more just intelligent enough to know who was an influential person and tried, like, oh, I'll marry Kuladin just because, like, she could kind of use him. But other than that, her political, I don't know, her politicking is not top-notch at all. And she... 
she wants to do it again. Like she's all trying to get Rand yeah. so she can marry him. You're like, you already did this once. How is this even going to work again? Yeah, it's not not smart. And Rand's already got enough women. Why, why would Rand need another <laughs> woman at this point? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's pretty oblivious to all the pieces on the board. I, th- I think Elida is interesting because she gets these foretellings prophecies in the, you know, one of the big themes of the Wheel of Time. But she always seems to interpret the prophecies in her direction. Like she sees the tower mm-hmm. healed and she's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to heal the tower. I'm doing such a great job. Whereas with other prophecies, I, I, it doesn't seem like, you know, our, our good, so to speak, heroes are, are so much in, in the realm of interpreting things to their end. They're more just like trying to figure out and piece it together. A lot is just more arrogant is what I'm trying to say. I feel like there's a change in character with Elida and, and I don't know when it happens, but in book like one through three, she's much more like she has the foretelling that Rand is going to be kind of dangerous and that mm-hmm. the throne of Andor is like central to the last battle. And so you can tell she's like working from a place of like seemingly goodwill and just like misunderstood. And then she turns more and more power hungry. It's like she loses yeah that initial gray character to be almost a caricature of herself. Hmm. There's also a part in this book where Alviarin comes and kind of puts her in her place a little bit. And yeah. it's kind of another changing, you know, she's been kind of the last couple of books. She's been the same. Like you said, there was a point where she changed after book kind of book three and this book, she kind of realizes, Oh, Hey, I may be not in charge as I thought I was and gets you know scared. And I'm not really sure how that resolves yet, but yeah the white power even on her side isn't fully under her control and we're really starting to open our eyes to uh, how many black sisters there are out there and you know what what uh, the the intense level of penetration that the the dark that uh, has had into the Sedai. they're not <laughs> they they need a serious uh, cleansing because uh, there are some bad things coming with all these black sisters roaming around yeah not sure how they're gonna deal with that either in this book Egwene has some weird parts where she has some sisters swear fealty to her mm-hmm. right um which was kind of different or i guess normally that doesn't happen for an all merlin right but at the same time as i'm reading this the black sisters are no longer bound by their oaths anyway so yeah like you're not really sure what's going on there huh yeah so let's uh, let's start going through the plot maybe a little bit. So so we talked about the prologue. Uh, the the action begins with Rand, and there's like I said, there's these three separate plot, plot lines throughout the course of the book. We'll kind of jump from plot to plot. We can just talk about a few points here or there. I think that'll kind of keep things moving along. So he at the beginning he's trying to kind of figure out how to deal with these. I said I like Jake said they're all kind of lined up, and him and Perrin are trying to work out what they're going to do here. Uh, they come at, they're at odds a little bit. Perrin is very much against this and he kind of refuses to go along with what Rand wants him to do. And then after a bunch of brooding and kind of bumbling around as a leader, he heads off back to Carrion where, uh, what's her name? Colaviri? Colaviri? Whatever her name Colaviri's is. How, uh, yeah. Okay. Colaviri. She has usurped the throne, uh, but her reign does not last very long at all. She's kicked out immediately, uh, thanks in part to Fail, And then Fail goes and bickers with Perrin because that's what she likes to do. So that's how the, the book starts from Rand's viewpoint. What jumps out about uh, with all that for, for you guys? The biggest part for me during that was how when Rand comes back, he's worried about, you know, he just got kidnapped by Aes Sedai, you know, a couple of days earlier. Right. Um, and so he's worried about his image, right? And how he's going to repair that. So the people still think he's in charge and it's not the Aes Sedai controlling him. Right. So I think that's kind of one of the bigger politic points going on during some of these chapters is how he you know, is trying to assert that he's, you know, the dragon reborn still. And I think it's cool how this whole, you know, being in a box, being captured by the Aes Sedai, that is is handled pretty well because it's not something he's just going to get over. It, it becomes a big part of his character. And yes, it can be a little annoying. He's always brooding and he doesn't trust anyone, but it seems like fairly accurate. You know, the guy came off a farm not too long ago. Now he's in power and he doesn't know who to trust because he initially thought he could trust people. And now he's realizing that 
uh, like Min is the only one that you can trust at all. So uh, you kind of feel bad for him. But at the same time, uh, this portion of Rand's character arc, it can be a little frustrating. Yeah, I feel like for me, the every time I reread it, it's less frustrating and it's more intriguing to me to see like the development of his character and at his like kind of paranoia and how you can't mm-hmm. trust people. And the more I read, I'm like, this is like justified. The first time I read it, I was like, come on, Rand, you got to trust people. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if you should really trust anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think like you said, like, I like how him being in a box wasn't just, this will be a conflict for this book. It really is a game changer for his character moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice, it's a nice thing to have on his character because he's leveling up really drastically, becoming king of everything and being able to do everything with the one power. But he's not just like an overpowered god type guy because at the core of his character, he just kind of bumbles around politically and doesn't know who to trust and has all these mental health issues. And so he seems like uh, you know still a, a pretty intriguing character. He's not just a one dimensional, all powerful dragon reborn at least not yet okay so uh him and perrin bicker a little bit perrin is declining to lead the army and now we go on to Egwene's portion and i didn't love Egwene's portion in this book kaden kind of sounds like you had a similar opinion but really like most of her portion just consists of a bunch of different dreams and prophecies which are always intriguing but and then like fealty swearing and politics with a jillion Asadai that are around in this portion uh mohidian mogidian mogidian i'm gonna say gets out mysteriously and there's some issues with some black sisters and then lan lan is discovered st- still out there after we haven't heard from him <laughs> for a while Isn't he's he just like, kind of tied up or something because he's, he's just like at a he's at a farm somewhere <laughs> like this the Asadai are just like holding on to him basically yeah but uh <laughs> Now he's been unleashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at least we have some status changes with Mogidian and Lan, but like other than that, uh, I don't know, nothing Egwene did. I mean, she she did well. Like she got some fealty sworn and she consolidated her powers a little bit, but I don't know that it was super compelling. I think it's her and her and Swan um, that like their their alliance and team up is interesting. And I like the the tension there of it, which was kind of brought up in the last book, but continued here. Like she was really brought in just to be a tool, but she was able to recognize that. And so how can she yeah, use that yeah, to yeah. her advantage? It's like probably as, as close to getting some really good Game of Thrones intrigue as, as you get Wheel of Time. Yeah, I was going to second the, uh, about Suwan when she, um, seems like she got a lot more power during these chapters than she had it during book six, where when they go to the place wherever land's being kept, Egwene kind of has her like, okay, you're going to watch over these sisters while I go and handle this or whatever, right? It seems like she has a lot more trust with Egwene, but mm-hmm. also that she has more power over other sisters even than she did before. And that to me was one of the bigger things that actually happened during this sec- section, even though it wasn't really like, mm-hmm. you know, anything. Yeah, Swan has chosen the uh, the right horse to back in the race for sure with Egwene. Which transitions perfectly into the next were you, section. Uh, were you waiting to say that the whole, whole podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, because now we're horse racing with Matt and Oliver. And we're off with uh, Elaine, Nynaeve, Avienda, Brigetta, and Matt. Matt and the girls, we'll say. And uh, we're looking for the Bowl of Winds. The Bowl of Winds is, I'm going to say, my least favorite storyline in all of Wheel of Time. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. So I'll refrain from making a comment on the storyline. I did, like, I liked all the shenanigans Matt gets up to in the city. I like that he has his, like, home base in that tavern, but also in the, you got Thailand chasing after him and everything. I think it's a pretty fun time with Matt there. And, and like, you, I don't know if we said this um, on the uh, video already or not, but he gets the apology from Elaine, which it's, it's so funny to see, like, he's so frustrated with them, but then when they apologize, he's always like, oh, well, you didn't have to do that. Like, <laughs> he gets kind of sheepish. 
The apology is like half-hearted. I mean, at least at the beginning. Later on, it gets better after he actually saves them. Yeah. Uh, especially from Nynaeve. Nynaeve, her apology is terrible. Yeah. Even Elaine's is not great. Because I feel like her motivation is just to, you know, make Avienda happy. And she's not real. she doesn't really care about Matt, you know. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. Nynaeve's, she can't get over the fact that she would like... I'm the village wisdom and you're just some boy from my village, which is dumb in its own right. But Elaine is, can't recognize that any, like anyone has like done, like she owes anyone anything. And that's like, I don't know, a separate issue. But I do like how Avian is like, wait, <laughs> you have toe to him. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like Avian yeah. has not been a fan of Matt for so long. And then realizing, wait, I have misunderstood this whole <laughs> interaction. And at least she is able to, I, I, I mean, maybe she's admitting she's wrong. Like she's at least one rational female character. A lot of Robert Jordan's women kind of get criticized for just being angry and irrational and obnoxious. But Avienda, I think, is one that, that we can get behind as being, you know, fairly dynamic and a real person. I also really liked Brigida uh, becoming friends with Matt in this book. Yeah, that was a fun moment. And so that's another one of the... The women I thought that was kind of a fun like character growth. I mean that that's how the whole thing starts. They're drinking together. Yeah. And uh Matt's like, oh man, this the whole thing has been terrible. And Brigitte's like, Yeah, it has. Like these girls have been totally messing with you. And and that's what you know creates the whole apology situation. Yeah. So Jake, did you like did you like the Thailand romance? Uh I thought it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fun. Okay. <laughs> I thought it added some nice uh humor just the i don't know what would it be i don't know because it's juxtaposition or just the like the irony of matt being chased by a woman because he's been called a womanizer not that honestly he hasn't i don't feel like the the series so far has shown him to be this type of person who just chases after women Mm -hmm. that much but it was good to see him be uncomfortable in that in that situation okay okay I can see that. You, you, obviously, of. obviously, you're not a fan of it. How about you, Caden? <laughs> what, did you think it was some good comic relief, or was it just too weird? Actually, I thought it was com- good comic relief. I more and more, I, I, you know, throughout the whole series, it, in each of the like Rand, Perrin, and Matt's chapters, there was like, oh, Rand knows how to deal with girls, and Rand's yeah. like, oh, Perrin knows uh, how to, deal with, uh-huh. and they, you know, just go in the circle, right? <laughs> and at first i didn't think it was super funny but the further i get into the series like the funnier that becomes to me just because of the different experiences they have so mm-hmm, when matt yeah. you know when thailand's chasing him and matt's like ah rand always know how to handle the girls i was actually like this is actually starting to get kind of funny so <laughs> yeah, i liked it okay yeah once you once you just accept the jokes then uh you can really lean into them it was it was okay. a little weird i i could see where steven wouldn't i just thought it was i mean I, I get the the irony and the humor there, but why why is Tylen like? Isn't Tylen? She's significantly older. Maybe, I mean, she's a queen, so she's probably pretty. But yeah. also, like, she is a queen, but has like no power, and she has yeah. a son. I just think she's like super bored. Like, yeah, and he's obviously has so much charisma, and he's Tavirin, and she can tell he has power behind him as well. Okay, I I settled on why it's weird for me. It's because she has a son that's Matt's age and is like his peer. That that's why it's weird. What's weirder is that the son's okay with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let us know what you think about the the whole Matt Tylen romance. We uh Phantology this month is doing top romances in fantasy. No submissions for Matt and Tylen. How is this not submitted? Man. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. There were a lot of Lan and Nynaeve and the competition is wrapping up. There's only a few more entries and it looks like Lan and Nynaeve are probably going to be at least part of the winning three. So, uh, I mean, we could talk about their romance right now. That's skipping ahead a bit, but uh, if we just go forward in the girls plus Matt storyline a bit, uh, mm-hmm. well, should we talk about the kin first? We'd be skipping over the kin. Do, do we even need to talk about the kin? Yeah, we do. The Kim, Kim is awesome. To me, that was... They are awesome? 
Yeah, they're awesome. I, I thought yeah. it was like a great piece of world building. Like generally you have like, oh, magic people go to magic school, you know, like in most fantasy okay. series. So it was cool to see that like in a real world, there would be people who were kicked out or ran away or never really got there. And so there's this kind of third party entity made up of like the misfits and rejects that the, the White Tower couldn't accept. And Okay, fair. And again, just the mystery behind it. I loved how Elaine and Nynaeve were assumed to be runaways. And so they're initially like captured um, by the kin. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know, a good role reversal there. And I don't know, it was great world building. Why why don't you like them? Or I guess, Caden, what's your opinion? And then, yeah. Well, I don't really, you know, I haven't read further, so I'm not really sure where it's going. But it seemed like to me that, you know, there, I think there was like a thousand or, you know, there's way more than you thought of these, you know, the kin, it seems like are going to go join up with Egwene, right. And head to help her and her making the white tower whole. And if that's true, it kind of felt like just like an easy win for them to get all those Aes Sedai. Uh, if it really ends up being that way that they go and help Egwene. So I don't know if that's, what's going to happen, but if it is, I like, I feel like that's a little too easy for them, but who knows? <laughs> hmm. I did think it was interesting that, you know, some of them were like so old. There was that one Aes Sedai who was like over 400. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was interesting. Okay. Yeah, th- there were a few things. And it also, there's information revealed with the kin that make you, that are like leaving hints for other like aspects of just the world. Like when it, like when it comes to the age, like there's some clues dropped there for people to piece together. I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. It's not like huge major spoilers, but anyways, it was just good, good, um, like expansion of the world. I imagine it as being like a fun side quest in like a video game where you're like, oh, what's this mystery? And you investigate it and you're like, oh, okay. There's this secret organization that I just, (laughs) like this new faction I just made alliance with. I think that's fun in a video game. I don't know. I don't know in this book. I think it's mostly just because they're like a side quest of a side quest because the whole bowl of winds thing for me is so, it's just like such a pointless red herring. I, I, I don't see why the bowl of winds is. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it, the weather, man. Uh, it, it, the weather changes all the time. The bowl of winds doesn't even help that much. <laughs> climate change denier over here not yeah. not acknowledging the dark one's influence on uh, the climate uh, yeah I, I i need to get with it a little bit <laughs> they went to telian riyadh and they looked they searched using need and that's what came up you're gonna deny arguably the creator's <sighs> influence directing them where to go i, I mean, just thought it was all that man i just thought the whole thing was boring i'm sorry <laughs> Sorry, kid. We're going to take it over. <laughs> You're good. Hey, the one thing I would say is I think Udar has been the most interesting, like as far as world building goes in terms of like how different the culture is there compared to other places. I feel like okay. before you had like Kyrian and Hamlet, I don't know. They felt very similar to me, even though, you know, Kyrian had more of the game of like the game of houses or whatever. Right. This one kind of felt like really the first kind of different culture with the okay. knives and <laughs> yeah. Kind of stuff. yeah yeah and how like women kind of rule the, the yeah city and... which again is a perfect like another perfect scenario for matt and tylen like emphasize that culture difference yeah yeah the wedding knife thing is interesting terrifying <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what the right word is there <laughs> more terrifying i think Okay, so going on, we want to get to the, the Nynaeve and Lan romance because that was where we started on this tangent. So before that happens, Elaine takes over the Aes Sedai. Maybe one of her better moments. I know that uh, we can be a little harsh on Elaine, but she you know, starts to politic a little bit here. So should we give her some props? Yeah, she's good at leading. All right, there it is. She's just, she's just a, a brat to Matt and... I don't know. That's that's my main that's my main complaint with her. Ben, We've if you're listening, <laughs> if if Ben from Phantology is listening, we are <laughs> we are helping. We we are being nice to Elaine right now, so we're we're helping you out. It was cool. It also, um, her and Avienda have some cool parts where they find more t- Terangriol, right? 
Okay. But kind of investigating more into that. I thought that was a cool uh, kind of differentiating the different uh, talents within um, channeling the one power. Okay. Okay. So cool moments all around for Elaine. Okay. Not bad for Elaine. Okay. Now, now the naive land romance. One of the more exciting parts of this book was the bale fire from Mohidian. I guess she's just like in her carriage and she's like, oh, hey, there's Nynaeve in the boat. I'm going to bail fire the boat. Uh, she misses Nynaeve. She hits the boat. Nynaeve is drowning and she finally breaks her block because of plot reasons and Lan rescues her and then they get married. Boom. Lots of stuff right there. I don't know if because of plot reasons is a fair <laughs> assumption. They, they already went over. Come they... on, the, the, plot, the block thing for Nynaeve, that's, that's such a plot device. I mean, it, it, a plot device is not always a bad thing, No, but no, that's, I, what, that's what this is. I agree the block itself is a plot device, but her breaking it didn't just happen due to plot reasons. They set up in the last book when they were trying to break her block that there's lots of different ways to do it and near-death experiences were one of them. Okay, okay. So it's not like it was, and this was, no one would have seen it coming but this is what caused her to break her block. This is why we have Jake on the show, so we can fire back at my hot takes. Caden, <laughs> what do you think of this, this sequence of events? This was, I mean, you said there were exciting moments throughout the book, right? I'm assuming this is probably one of them. I actually was thinking, well, yeah, this, this is okay. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm like, I've been sitting here for like the last five minutes wondering how Land and Nynaeve made it into the top three. That, I, I'm thinking that too. So that's more of what I was focusing on here because like Land like wants to just die, right? He's <laughs> and then Nynaeve's like, I'm forcing you to marry me, basically. And I mean He's it's like, true, okay. yeah, they love each other, right? But that's kind of <laughs> how I felt. I'm like, where's where's the really the romance there for me? I think that yeah. they have a good romance in the sense that it, like it's one of the relationships that's more fleshed out, but also whenever their romance is on screen, I feel like I'm like in a room with a couple when I'm like, oh, I'm intruding here. This is awkward. Like, <laughs> I got to get out of here. Like, that's how I feel like whenever their romance is on screen. So it's just kind of awkward. <laughs> because the passion is too much for you to stand. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Lan, you just went from stone face to... Kissy face? Yeah. And <laughs> like, you can tell Nynaeve doesn't really know what to do with herself. Like... Like you can, which is good writing, I guess, but you can tell Nynaeve is like, yeah, that's right. You're going to do this. But she's kind of like, wait, am I telling him what to do? I don't really know what I'm doing here. Uh, we don't want to do spoilers for the rest of the series. So uh, w- you'll have to see how the romance develops, Caden. <laughs> One of the parts though I was way more excited about was, is it, you call it a golem? Um, yeah. yeah. Right, right after this part, when they actually go to get the bowl of winds, that was really exciting. That was a good okay. So they, they come across the big cache, the blockage is there, the golem is there, it all goes down. Yeah. I just thought like to introduce this new enemy, I guess that we haven't seen before, right? The mm-hmm. Elaine and Nynaeve can't just, you know, overpower. Like, you know, back a couple books, Nynaeve runs into Mogideon back in, uh, man, I can't even remember where it was now. Uh, the first Ten time she runs Chico. into her. Yeah, Tenchiko, that's right. Yeah. You know, and she battles her and wins, you know, basically first time she's ever faced a forsaken you're like wow mm-hmm. like i feel mm-hmm. like the forsaken should be stronger like i was actually glad to see like oh hey here's you know here's this new enemy that's powerful elaine got you know the golem got the best of elaine and barely you know if that hadn't been there i just thought the whole yeah that whole part was really exciting it all happened pretty fast so it's i don't know i don't know if there's enough time for you to really be like wait how are they going to get over this you know what i mean you're just like I feel mm-hmm. like when I read it, it was just, I got to read to figure out what happens. But I didn't see the, the medallion thing coming. Um, was that, do you think that was like obvious at all when you read it? No, I didn't see it. No. I, no. Yeah. It was cool that I had this dual purpose. Like it was cool already because it, it, you know, gave Matt immunity, but yeah. now it can also hit against this thing that nothing else can. Yeah. And I liked how there's a little bit of foreshadowing for the golem coming. Like now that you've read it, if when rereading it, some of the Forsaken, I can't remember honestly which one it was, if it was, anyways, but them talking about how they've, I don't know if they say it for word for word that they have a golem or, but they mention like they're alluding to it. I want to say it was Samael because he was, That's was in thinking. Abu Dhar earlier, but I don't remember exactly. 
Is yeah, I can't remember who's the one who brought Mo Mogidian to Ebudar. Was it Samael? I thought it was the uh, Arangar. Is that how you say it? Oh, was it? Uh, she's the one who her freed. Uh, yeah, that's who freed. Uh, I just assumed that's who took it, but maybe it wasn't. I don't remember, but mm. but yeah. Anyways, the the whole golem thing is like you said. It's just a cool new enemy that kind of you've had some power creep with our with our main characters kind of getting over leveled so it's like okay we need to put a check here to and the golem was around earlier because it killed the scholar Rand's friend herod fell right yeah which i don't is that explicitly stated that that's what killed it killed maybe him, it's I mean? just i had i had made that connection but i guess it was more hinted at because his, his like his throat was ripped out right oh right right, right. Yeah. which appears it... to be the the preferred method of killing yeah, and like the fact that they said the doors were all locked or something. Yeah. Rand's buddy dies, right? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Ma his... Matt's buddy, Nelson. How, however you say his name. Yeah, one of his red hand guys. He's the guy who was always like saying, like, "Oh, we need to get you new clothes, right?" Is he the clothes guy? All right. Yeah, we clearly know what we're talking about. So, uh, <laughs> so. In my yeah. my memory of it, I, when thinking back, I remember thinking, "Oh, that's sad." This guy was like, all, like Matt was always just annoyed with this guy, and then I don't know. It's kind of sad that he died. Yeah. All right. Should we just wrap up the rest of this uh, little track? So Elaine, finally, like this is a real apology at the end after Matt saves them for you know yet again, and then the girls take off with the sea folk, and Matt stays to find Oliver. But then the Shan Chan attack and he is trapped in a wall, falls on top of him and fade to black for this book, right? I was pumped about the uh, San Chan invasion. Yeah. I'm the like Shan still are, like... Are fun. Like I, I, it's always, it's always, you know, it's going to be exciting when the Shan Chan yeah. are coming in. They're going to do stuff. <laughs> I'm like still terrified of them after like, was it book one or two? I, two. You know, forever ago, but they left such a lasting... Uh -huh. like mark i think that just says a real you know goes to robert jordan and how well he did it you know all the way back in book two of describing um yeah that that whole scene with them i remember the first time i read this series i they were a big part of book two and i was like okay yeah we, we beat them you know the, the sean chan they're, they're done with and then getting into this book and i mean they, they're like around here and there but now they're back and I was like, what? Like, I thought these guys were, were done for. They're, they're back again and uh, they're back and better than ever. I thought it was a really cool way to end the the book where like you feel like the climax is over. You know what I mean? They defeated the goal and they got the bowl, the wins. And then it's like, oh, shoot, here come the Sean Chan. And like, it's kind of the scramble at the end. Freaking old. Definitely like a, definitely a cliffhanger, right? With, with Matt. And yeah. You want to know. He's probably just dead. The wall fell on yeah. him, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Main <laughs> character out. All right, so uh, <laughs> backtrack to Rand. Uh, so Rand finally meets the legendary Cad Swain, right? That that is how you say her name, Cad Swain Sedai. Uh, this was a character who were just bringing in here, and everyone else is in awe of her because they thought she was off in retirement, and she's back and she's bossing everyone around. And Caden, did you like Cad Swain or did you find her horribly annoying? I found her annoying. Yeah. I, yeah. I also found her mostly annoying, but she does have some cool parts. The the thing that I did like about her was when um is it the Shiva and I can't remember the other Ashaman's name right now come in to heal him after Oh Flynn jumping ahead a little bit. Flynn, um, yeah. yeah, Flynn, right. And she like lets them right where the other Ice die are like, mm -hmm. no, we don't trust him at all. And she's like, I'll let him mm -hmm. do it. So, you know. I, I liked her more than some some I said I for sure. Yeah. But she's she's cool because she's definitely like she doesn't fall in line in any like you can't put her in any category, which makes her this kind of added X factor that you don't know how it's gonna affect the plot. Top moment for me with her was when she slaps Rand after he tosses up the bale fire and she's like, never do that again. And Rand <laughs> promptly does it again. <laughs> but that was that was funny. <laughs> She is a little full of herself. How she, you know, she comes in, she's like, I am the legendary Catswain, and I am going to make Rand, you know, do what he needs to do. Yeah. You can tell she's like, she's meant to be kind of like this Moraine 2.0 character. Mm -hmm. 
character. Yeah. Where you can tell it's being set up like where that's the role she's trying to fill. And Matt Rand and us as the readers are trying to figure out is, can she fill that? Like, do we trust her to fill that? It's kind of like meeting Moraine all over again. Like Rand, it took Moraine dying for Rand to like figure out, oh man, I should have trusted her more. And, but now we're starting again and the trust isn't there. Right. Uh, but yeah, but she's kind of a wild card too. She's like this older legend, but she's somehow less stuck in the Aes Sedai ways. For example, when you said she let Flynn and Grady or whoever um, heal Rand, whereas like all the other Aes Sedai, that's like an affront to their positions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from one uh, romance with Lan and Nynaeve to another with Rand and Min. So Rand and Min comfort each other after uh, Herod Fell dies. <laughs> and then Rand freaks Direct out. quote from the wiki, huh? <laughs> Well, it's yeah that it's what it says right in, in the text of the book they they comfort each other yeah. and uh we find out later that that means that they did a little bit more than comforting each other but then <laughs> later on Rand's all upset because he's like oh man like you didn't you know like i i forced myself on you or something like Rand, the dude is he's just got to get over himself a little bit and so uh, one of the top moments for men is when men just gets him out of this dumb brooding pattern that he's in and says you know Rand, like, we love each other. You know, we're we're together. We're in this. Let, let's make this work. Now let me sit on your lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She likes the lap. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this isn't like there's there's not a lot to unravel here, um, and I can see people being annoyed with these parts. But to me, I think it's meant just to show that Rand does have like humanity still in him, but it's like only she's really able to bring it out at this point. I don't know. It's kind of like showing both sides of them. And she's just a great character. Definitely one of the best um, characters in the series. Yeah, we, we know we know Jake loves men. <laughs> she's awesome. Kaden, where does she stack up with uh, some other girl characters for you? Yeah, I'm still a Avienda fan. Um, Avienda's great. I, I like men. I'm not saying I don't like men. I'm not a huge fan of men in Rand's romance. <laughs> You're more into the you're more into the far snows. Yeah, yeah. I think I just like I liked. Uh, I feel like Rand and Avienda had a lot better like dialogue back and forth for a long time. Like their relationship grew, and I feel like Min and Rand kind of just like happened. Yeah. Not mm. not yeah. Again, I'm not. I don't want to hate on it. It's fine, and it definitely had its its purposes in the book, right? To me, it gives me vibes of spoilers for Harry Potter six of when. Harry and Jenny finally get together and just okay. that kind of like there's kind of like that the whole feel of book six is kind of like that calm before the storm like just enjoying your last year as uh-huh. like kind of this innocence and I feel like men and Rand's relationship is reminiscent of that where it's like him being able to kind of escape his worries in the world when they finally get together isn't it like they've just won the Quidditch World Cup and Harry walks in and he kisses her and there's describes the it like a lion room. a yeah. lion is like roaring in his chest and he's like yes i got I yeah got the girl and he looks around <laughs> and and ron's like nodding his approval and <laughs> <laughs> yeah what a scene what a scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that stuck with me for sure <laughs> yeah but yeah so that's the that's why i think i like the romance is because it adds like that Rand's way of escaping from his troubles. Sorry, one thing about me, I like that she can take care of herself. She's learned, you know, she's got these yeah. knives. She's checking out people during, you know, the throws one at pot on Thane as we come up to that point here in a second. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I like that about Min, that she's not just a helpless character. She And she doesn't have magic. She's one of the few characters right. that doesn't have the magical ability. I mean, she can, she has the foretellings, but, yeah. or, or the visions, but those don't really help her. Yeah, I, th- I feel like for the most part, I mean, obviously in a series where the women are the standard mages of the world, but Wheel of Time does a good t- job of there aren't many characters or many female characters who just serve, who, who can't take care of themselves. Like men and women alike are being caught in situations mm-hmm. where they need mm-hmm. rescuing. Okay, so a few quick hitters after this. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of Forsaken 
interactions. We get Samael and Grandel and Savannah and, and Moradin. This uh, mysterious character named Moradin appears on the scenes a few times. And, uh, and then actually he's the one that I think sends Mohidian because he has her mind trap. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember yeah. exactly what that's that right. is, to be honest. But uh, yeah, that that's a thing. And then uh, Morghese abdicates abdicates the throne. She runs away. She gets the heck out of uh, Amadicia, right? And so she's going to be uh, on the run a little bit, kind of a like a C D tier plot line that just appears every now and then. But uh, yeah, Morghese <laughs> is still a thing. And then Rand sends Perrin off to deal with Vasima, and they've got this like ploy of them being mad at each other, but really he's got he's off on the secret mission. And then uh, we get then we start to get towards the the very ending climax. Any of those things worth talking about more? Well, we were going to talk about the Pat and Thane for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah that that's the that's the climax we're getting to. So it sounds like that's where we want to go. Is that the climax though, or is the climax more? Well, it's like the thing. It's the thing right before the climax, you know. Okay. I, I, I can't remember how, how close yeah, it was. Yeah. There's a bit of a break because after Pat, the Pat and Fane attack, then we go back to Matt and the girls yeah. one more time. And then we go to the, the final chapter. But uh, right before, okay, one more thing right before the Pat and Fane thing is we, we have the Seafolk Alliance, which is really just kind of a setup for future stuff. But now we go, Rand and Min go off to the Rebels. These are the, the Tarian and Carrion, Tarian and Carrion. Yeah. They rhyme, uh, the rebel group and Pat on Fane happens to be there. And Rand's like, I'll put a million golden crowns on this guy's head if someone can uh, can get him. And then he fights this duel with uh, Torum, what's his face, who's basically the leader of the uh, the Carrion rebels. And Pat on Fane leaps in there with his Mashadar mist and stabs him. There's a lot going on here. Pat on Fane just serves to be this like, this random encounter of chaos whenever like a, yeah. something needs to happen. It's like, yeah, Penvan could be here. We'll, we'll he's, throw the it. he's the definition of uh, chaotic evil for sure. Yeah. I thought it was cool how um, it's show, showing like how him being Taviran works as well. Like he was able to slip in and act as if he was some unknown person and really get to know the rebel leader. And um, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Like able to, which eventually enabled him to sway them to his cause, right? Without needing to kill them. Rand kind of goes on this like up and down on his like arrogance where he's like, I am the dragon reborn. I get captured by eyesight eye. Oh, I'm Taviran. I can do anything. Oh, I'm going to get stabbed by pot on thing, right? Like he kind of goes up and down, right? And I felt like he went in there being so full of himself and like, I can do what needs to be done. And, you know, being Taviran works kind of both ways, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, he did do what he wanted to get done, but he was also oblivious to other dangers, right? And we talked about Rand leveling up. Patton Fane also leveling up, right? He can do the Mashadar mist attack now. And yeah, I mean, how many characters get close enough to Rand to actually stab him? And he, he would have killed him if not for fate, Tavirin, luck, whatever you want to call it. The The stabbing happened at the exact same point as this previous scar so the two like half healed wounds battle each other out. It's kind of some cool imagery, cool idea. Mm-hmm. Twice and twice he shall be marked. Even though that's, I think that's referring to different. Yeah, isn't that the dragons on his? It's dragons on the herons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, and scars, okay. The, twice the and twice thing. and twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three, three twices. <laughs> twice, thrice. <laughs> All right, so he, we go to the final battle here. So he gets healed. He wakes up and they're like, oh, Rand, why don't you, you know, take a minute? And he's like, no, we're actually, we're going to go attack Ilian right now. And I'm ready to go. And then he does the Samael thing. So that's uh, another classic Rand moment. Like book sure. five, land yeah. fear attacks. Uh, okay. Now we got to go kill Robin right now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anytime, he, anytime he's down, the, the Randolph Thor therapy is let's go kill a forsaken. <laughs> For me, it's like, I'm going to go buy a book. For Rand, it's like, uh, yeah, let's go off a Forsaken. So in this case, it's unfortunately Samael, unfortunate for, uh, I mean, for Samael, fortunately for Rand. And uh, he's over in Ilian. He sets off all his traps. And then they travel to Shadar Logoth because, of course, 
And then he meets this mysterious man who shoots off Balefire. Their, their beams cross, which is bad. Or is it? It's interesting, at least. And Rand does not sense Sidene at all from this other mysterious fellow. So what's going on there? And then he kind of leaves Samael to the Mashadar to die. And then he returns as king of Ilion. And that's the book. Wraps up very quickly. So two things. Back in book six, or maybe it was book six or book five, they go to Shadow Logoth and one of the maidens, you know, disappears. Yeah, I think Leah, Laya. Yeah, yeah Laya, I think is. Anyway, I was like, no, she's not dead. She's got to come back and it's going to be cool at some point. And then she comes back and then kind of dies. And I I was hoping like there would be like a, a better resolution to her story than what happens here in book seven. At least I'm pretty sure she mm. dies. I think Masha I think Rand Bale Pfizer, Bale Fyler. I think Rand Bale fires her to, uh, oh. you know, for, to, for a, a mercy killing, right? Because wasn't okay, she was yeah. she was taken over in this book? Yeah, yeah, she's right. like definitely. But she possessed. wasn't she wasn't really even alive, anyways. Right, right, yeah. I was yeah. kind of hoping though that she was still alive. Yeah, that was like one more nail, just another yeah. nail in Rand's heart for being the cause of death to women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going on the list for sure. He does not feel good about that. As far as uh, the mystery person. Yeah, man of mystery. My, my guess right now is that it's Moradin. Okay. Um, and who is Moradin? Is that how I say it? The guy that has the mind trap for Mogidi. Right, right. I like he, he really? he's, he's been around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he's uh, he's been around. Who he is. Yeah, yeah, what's, going, what's going on no, with this I, guy? Yeah, I don't know. But he's using like the truth, the as what do they call it? You know, he's using the dark one's power, right? Okay, the, the true, the true source, right? yeah, the true mm-hmm. source, yeah. Uh, which is why Rand can't. Right. Okay. Okay. Very astute. Yes. But, he's, yeah, he's I'm, using I'm the not true source to know who he really, really is. Mm. Well, he will continue to be a character, so watch out for mysterious Moradin. Kind of disappointed in how Samael went out. I mean, he's been a known threat since book three you know like he's had aliens since book three uh-huh and lots of time like he attacked him in tear he attacked them in the waist he yeah he's always them. been like a thing like you know samael samael yeah. he, he's out there we got to take him down yeah. and then uh okay we did it why was it so hard <laughs> he, he was kind of oh go ahead kid i actually reread it after like that part to make sure like he really died because I was like, wait, no, like that was how he died. And it was so quick and yeah, kind of a little anticlimactic. So I, yeah, yeah I kind of like went back and was like, wait, did he really die? There's like some forsaken where you're like, oh, you're scary. You're forsaken. And there are other ones where you're like, man, you've been talked up and you think you're all that. And you, you just, how did you get to become forsaken again? Like, uh-huh. like I feel like <laughs> even the rest of the forsaken don't really treat Samael as if he were like important like leading up to this scene I feel like it yeah like he's he's trying to do some stuff with the he's like with oh, the I have Shido and stuff and yeah you know, he's he's hanging out with with uh Grandel and uh you know Morgan's observing them but yeah. uh I think there's a part where Grandel's like hey, you know you're not really that cool I should just go hang out with Demon Dread yeah yeah he's not he doesn't get the respect he deserves or maybe maybe he doesn't he doesn't deserve the respect I don't, he goes out pretty yeah. easily and that being said I mean him with the Shido that's a pretty pretty cool plan just be like I'm just going to you know cause chaos basically but um just scatter them around yeah you get some props there but yeah but for for an enemy, a known enemy who's been in the same location since book three. I don't know. But then you have like, I feel like Robin, like the battle between Robin, even though like he had less screen time, like that was more of an intense battle, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Than, than this one. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to our top three and bottom three. I think we talked through the book. This is the, uh, the segment that we all look forward to and prepare for. In advance, we definitely do not come up with these on the fly. So uh, <laughs> we're going to do our top three and bottom three characters for this book, their performance in The Crown of Swords. Who's going to start us off with their top three characters? Uh, I can go. All right, Jake. Um, I'm going to say number three is Pat and Fane. Mm. I mean, 
gets the stab gets the stab and yeah surprise attack out of nowhere like he i don't know he's always a fun character to see on screen <laughs> and then number two i don't know i can't really i had a hard time thinking of three people for the top three but um dang, i don't know I'll, I'll say uh think what even happens really with like maybe <laughs> what, what even happens we just recapped the whole book <laughs> i know but i'm just trying to okay it's, i it's I a, really hard to find three i i agree with you i have a i have a top two pat and fane and then matt matt does really well in this book he's awesome all right no one else makes jake's top three kaden <laughs> kaden what was your top three no i i uh i'd add the golem into my top three probably at number three okay. Uh, yeah. just because i yeah i also I, it was really hard to come up with with three for this one i don't feel like there's a lot of new characters and none of them have like super huge moments as we've had in previous books but i just because he seemed pretty formidable in the one scene he was in the book yeah and i'd probably go with the other i was thinking pot on thane and bat were my other two mm-hmm. um I, i'm trying to think if i should change it up now though that jake uh, <laughs> hey you're still different i didn't have i didn't have the golem <laughs> All right, I'm going to go uh, number three is going to be a combination because they are bonded of Brigitta and Elaine. Elaine is making an appearance. Hey, you know, she gave an apology by the end. I know we hate Elaine in general, but uh, that was fun. And I, I, the drinking part was was fun with Brigitta. So they're going in number three. Number two, I'm going to say Min just because, you know, she grounds Rand pretty well and their relationship is, is kind of moving along. So we'll go number two. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's hard to not say Matt was number one in this book. Lots of good, lots yeah. of good Matt moments. He, he won the day for sure. Okay. Bottom three. Maybe this is easier if the top three were hard. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to say Samael just because of how like kind of disappointing his yeah. end is. Also, okay. Samael, Savannah, and Elida. I mean, they weren't, those two weren't in there for a huge portion of the book, but their plans were completely smashed. Fair, uh, fair, very fair. <laughs> Kaden, you're still thinking of your, of your bottom three. <laughs> yeah, for mine, I would put, yeah, Savannah is probably number one. I should probably go backwards here. <laughs> I'm going to throw Elaine into mine. Because you know Elaine's always a good pick for your bottom three. <laughs> Just hate Elaine. All right. Here, here's mostly why. Um, it bugged me how long they spent in Ebudar. When if they had just talked to Matt at the beginning, I feel like we could have skipped like 300 pages of what was going on there. <laughs> um, I feel good. like you know the whole time she's like, "We've got to get the bull of the winds," and you know she's all worried about it. But it kind of was her fault they didn't get the bull of the winds until you know it took them that as long as they did. Okay. Number two, yeah, Samuel has to make an appearance because of how anticlimactic the the end was. And then number one, just the whole, I would say the Shido as a whole, um, you know, Savannah, yeah. and maybe, maybe Savannah and the wise women or, you know, the wise ones um, together. Big oof. Big oof for the Shido. Yeah. Very, yeah, yeah. Poor guys. Okay, my bottom three, I'm going to go, uh, can I throw a Colivier? Still can't say her name right. Yeah, yeah her. I, th- I, th- I thought of her. Yeah, her reign did not last very long. Too bad kind for of, her. Kind of a sad one to pick, though. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's why, you, that. that's why you don't mess with the Dragon <laughs> Reborn. True. Uh, should I, you guys already covered Samuel. I'll throw, uh, maybe I'll throw Mahidian in there just because she got out of captivity and then was immediately captive to someone more powerful. And like, come on, how do you miss? You hit a boat, but you miss Nynaeve. Like, uh, very poor aim on the Balefire. Just make your Balefire like a little bit bigger and you would hit her. Uh, yeah, not. <laughs> she got too excited. Yeah, poor, poor showing there. Take a little bit more time to aim next time. Uh, then my very bottom character. Ooh. Uh, if I'm not going to do Samael, I'll just do Savannah as well. I mean, it was a total failure for her, and now she's got nothing left. So, those are my bottom three. I think we 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 were you know fairly we were we were pretty well in line through most yeah. of that actually. I'm surprised, Stephen, you didn't bring up the the kin in your 
bottom three. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. all of the kin for being boring. <laughs> I don't think I didn't think they're that boring, honestly. I liked it. I liked the kin. All right. We started with the kin. We end with the kin. If you like the kin, let us know. And if you want to follow Phantology, you can do that at Phantology Books on Twitter. You can join our Discord and talk with us more. Caden is going to continue to read Wheel of Time because uh, at this point we are we are requiring him to. Uh, he cannot stop. Halfway you're into, there. You're into Path of Daggers, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm about a fifth of the way through. Okay. 200 pages in. Okay. Looking forward to that. We'll see if you finish yeah. before the TV show comes out. Have you been? Have you seen any of the promo? There, there was a promo thing earlier like a week or so ago that showed the dagger at Shatter Logoth. Oh, that's apropos. Yeah, we should have, we should have talked about that. How did, how did we miss that? So yeah. you can go on a uh, wheel of time on prime, Watt on prime Twitter account and see a short little clip of Matt finding the dagger. Cool. <laughs> Everyone go do that. <laughs> All right. You can find I'll more. Fin- yeah. Thank you, Kate. Okay. You, you can find more <laughs> of Phantology at www.phantologybooks.com. And you can support the show on patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next time. See ya. See you guys.